So as David was saying there, um, we're continuing our series about uh, Disciplines of the Spirit. Um, as he said, it's really about putting up the sails and letting the Holy Spirit have, have free reign in our lives. Um, we looked, as David said, about the, the heart of the matter, really about transformation of our hearts, um, not having the, the effect of bearing fruit in our lives uh, externally as well as internally. Um, last week was about meditation. Um, meditation is really about just um, taking God's word, taking what God speaks to us, um, letting God speak to us through his word and not just um, racing through it and taking the boxes of our reading plan, but being able to really focus on what God is saying to us uh, and taking time for that to really seep into our hearts and to penetrate our hearts and to, to, to bear good fruit there. So prayer leads naturally on from that. Prayer is something that we need to be doing, probably in conjunction with meditating on God's word. Um, but prayer is its a vast subject. Um, there's a lot of different ways that we could look at prayer. But primarily what we want to be doing is equipping uh, in terms of being able to, uh, to see transformation in both our lives and have effect on the lives around us. Um, so that's part of Disciplines of the Spirit. That's the series that we're working through. Um, so we really want to see how, how can we uh, use prayer as, as, a, as a gift, as, as, a, as a weapon to, to transform both our lives and those around us. Um, primary to all this is, is letting the Holy Spirit have free reign. And that's going to be the real focal point in the message today. Again, putting the seals up. Um, prayer can be a struggle for some of us to, to really get into that place of prayer where we see God um, really uh, transform our lives. Um, so when David first started this series, um, it, was, it was the first kind of session on kind of explaining about you know, the heart of the matter. Um, and there was, there was just a time when I was listening and God spoke to me during that um, about just discipline in general. Um, just the word discipline obviously leapt out because that's the name of the series. Um, and he kind of spoke to me about, you know, if anybody knows me, uh, I like to do a lot of running. Um, he, he challenged me, he kind of, he put it to me that, you know, you can carve out a bit of time in your day uh, to go out for a run. Um, you're, you're diligent at that. You can, you can always find time for that, um, whether it be in the morning, whether it be at lunchtime, during work, uh, whether it be after work. Um, and you're a bit like that with your, your time of prayer. It's just whenever um, you can slot it in. But you can do better than that. Uh, I can do better than that. I can get to the point where um, I can actually you know, for, you know, forge a routine, get a routine where God can actually get my best instead of just what's left in my day. Um, and he really challenged me uh, to do something which is really, 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 really difficult for me. And that is to get up early. Um, to get up early uh, in the morning. We're going we're to look at that. Uh, it was something Jesus did a lot. He rose early for prayer. Um, not necessarily uh, something that all of us can do. I would encourage it. Um, but for myself, it was, it was a time where I felt God was saying, right, that's a time where you're guaranteed to have a, a space of time where you can spend time in my presence, um, where it should be quiet. Um, and 
the past couple of weeks I've been doing this, the first week was pretty good, although the second week of this, uh, Jonathan has decided to get up early. Jonathan is one year old, and well, he's about 17, 18 months, 17, 18 months. Um, and he has decided to join me, um, so it's not so quiet. Um, so I have had, you know, still still the ability to get um, in his presence, but it's it's been a little uh, noisier some mornings. Um, so maybe he's maybe he's heard the sermon already, or um, <laughs> as I've been prepping it. Um, but yeah, there, there's challenges. Life is challenging to get that time with alone with God, to get that time free of distractions, to get that time alone where He can really pour into us and we can hear in his word and we can hear as he speaks to us as we spend time just in fellowship with him so that, that's what i've been doing on a personal level and that's why this kind of fits into the series where I, i've been trying just to be a bit more disciplined uh, so we're talking about disciplines of the spirit so how the spirit brings about change but part of that's also us putting up the seals um us being able to work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. Um, it's not just us sitting back and letting the Holy Spirit just do everything, letting God do everything. It's about us um, playing a part in that. So that, that's kind of where that has been coming from. It's actually been quite good. I've been able to get out around Gosford as well early in the morning, which has been really good for, for a run afterwards. Um, so I've been getting up super, super early. Um, I've actually been listening to worship music as well while running, um, which is something I've never done before. I would encourage anybody that does anything like that, um, even going out for a walk, um, listen to some worship music when you're out and about. Um, if anybody was around me, they probably, you know, at times I was probably starting to sing. It was probably a strange sight, um, but it was it was powerful for me anyway. So that, that kind of leads on. Um, Paul speaks in, in Corinthians about, about you know, running and physical training being of some benefit. Um, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, uh, do you not know that a race, in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it un- under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. So again, this, this concept of us playing a part in uh, discipline of, um, you know, if, a, if an athlete can be self-disciplined, this is kind of what I was saying earlier when I was speaking to me, if I can be disciplined in that, how much more so should I be in the things of God? How much more so should I be carving out that time, the best part of the day uh, for me, um, and, and really setting that aside instead of just whatever's left. Um, I shouldn't be treating my time with God on an equal level as how I treat running or training or anything like that there. It, sh- it should be the, the first thing that I do. It should be the, the, the thing that takes uh, the number one slot. First uh, Timothy 4, Paul goes on. It says to train yourself for godliness. And that's what we're going to read. Again, the whole series of uh, Disciplines of the Spirit is to train ourselves in, for godliness. Prayer is paramount to that. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of, every, of, of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. We're going to touch on that later and the, the role the Holy Spirit plays in that. So a couple of, couple of books, David's, was good in highlighting a couple of books a few weeks ago about you know what's helpful reading and around this subject and a couple have been very helpful in around prayer one is the uh, disciplines of the spirit by richard foster 
Um, the other, which I, I can only you know, recommend and often encourage you to read, is The Privilege of Prayer uh, by Eugene Smith. Um, really, really good book, really um, has opened my eyes to areas of prayer which I might have been aware of, but has really blessed me and really encouraged me in prayer um, as I prep this message. So hopefully I can convey some of that this morning um, as it's blessed me. And Foster says in his book, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. Um, and that, that's, that's what the place of prayer is. It's communion with the Father. It's about taking that time to spend time with him, just as we'd spend time with a friend or family. It's about spending time with the Father. Uh, Eugene writes, spiritual work can only be accomplished by persevering, believing prayer, waiting upon God and through fellowship with him. Um, that's, that's powerful. Spiritual work can only be accomplished by persevering, believing prayer. In other words, any spiritual work, whether it's in our hearts or to see transformation in our towns and our country, it's only going to come through prayer. Nothing is going to change without us praying. Um, that's both uh, that's liberating in, in the fact that um, by prayer, God is going to move. Um, it takes the pressure off us to try to come up with things and come up with ways of, of, of doing things. We still need to do, we still need to partake, we still need to be uh, co-laborers, but God, uh, through prayer, is going to change things. Um, and as we look at it from our perspective of this series, about looking at the, the heart, um, God's able to really speak into our hearts as we spend that time in prayer. So in prayer, real prayer, uh, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things he desires, and to love the things he loves, and to will the things he wills. Again, that's Richard Foster. So really through prayer, God starts to transform our lives, tries to transform what we think, how we act, what we pray. Just our whole nature becomes more like his. And that's, that's, that's the essence of it. We want to become more Christ-like. We want to be, become more like him. Um, so prayer is that, that place where God can really do that shaping and molding. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Um, that's, how, how do we do that? Um, it really just means to be in communion with the, with the Father, uh, to be always alert, to be watching, to be alert, to be, to be um, just alert to his leading. But numerous times in the New, New Testament, um, we come across uh, a word which is linked to prayer, and here is where I try to brush up on my Greek, which is non-existent. Uh, so it's proskaterio, um, which really means to adhere to one, to be devoted to or constant to one, to be steadfastly attentive onto, to continue all the time in a place, to persevere and not to faint, and to be constant, to be in constant readiness for one, wait on constantly. And that sums up prayer in a lot of ways. A lot of the uh, the preaching that Jesus did on prayer had a lot of those concepts. Um, so prayer is to be a, a lifestyle. It's to be something that we do constantly. It's not to be something that we only do in a crisis or in a time of thanksgiving, although those are very good circumstances to pray in. And I'd highly recommend you to do it. Um, but 
Prayer is a lifestyle. It's a discipline. It's something that we should be doing constantly, whether we're on the mountaintop or on, in the valley. Uh, we need to be a praying people. Uh, the early church knew this in Acts 6.4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Romans 12.12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So we're told that we have to be constant in prayer. We've been told that it's, it's a lifestyle um, and there's no better lifestyle for us to look to than the life of Jesus and his habits of prayer. Um, in Luke twenty two thirty nine, 39, uh, it said he came and went out, came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. In Luke six twelve, when he was choosing the disciples, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. This, this was an important thing for him to choose, uh, choose the 12. Uh, he sought the Father all night um, to be able to know who, who would be the 12 that, that he would lead. Um, but what I want to really pull out from that was in these days he went out to the mountain to pray. He was known to be a man of prayer. And I say man, fully God, fully man, fully reliant on hearing from the Father. And we'll touch on that. Luke 11, 1, the disciples um, obviously spent the most time with Jesus. They, they saw him day to day. They, they, they saw him more than anybody else for those three years. Um, they knew everything about him. Uh, and what they asked him was, teach us how to pray. Now, these, these were guys from a Jewish background. Um, now, Jew, devout Jews... Uh, as kids growing up would have been taught to pray three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. They would spend a lot of time in prayer. They knew what it was to pray, but yet they saw Jesus. And they, they looked at him and they wanted what he had. They wanted this prayer life. They saw, they saw the power of his prayer and of his ministry um, and saw obviously that it was a lot of it was to do with the time that he spent with the Father. Um, yeah, so... Even, even if we look to the wilderness, look four, one to two, just the start before Jesus really started his ministry. Uh, we often look at the wilderness and it's, it's often kind of talked about in terms of the temptation, uh, Satan coming along and not being the emphasis of it. Um, but it was 40 days of prayer and fasting. Satan did come and he did tempt him um, to derail what he would go on to do. But it was 40 days of prayer and fasting for preparation for the, for the ministry ahead. Um, and that, that's what I just want to just uh, point out there. Um, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So this is after his baptism. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. Fasting is something that we are going to look at, and fasting comes along with prayer. But just, again, to go on the journey that Jesus had ahead of him in terms of ministry and the cross to come, 40 days of prayer and fasting. Um, just how much he relied on the Father. Fully God, but fully man at the same time. He relied on the Father, just as we must rely on the Father. So if we're looking to go and do anything, we, we've got to use Jesus as our, as our focal point, as our template. How much time did he spend in prayer? Um, how much more do we need to spend?
in Mark chapter 1, um, particularly verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Uh, verse 36, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And that was, that was the whole point of Jesus going out to desolate place. He didn't want to be found in those times. He needed to be alone. He needed to be with the Father. The evening before, he had worked many miracles. He had healed many people. And the day to follow would be, would be likewise. He needed to hear from the Father about the people that he would encounter, the things that he would do. Um, not something we're going to touch on, just the kind of the pattern of prayer and why we need to pray. But if Jesus needed to pray uh, to the extent that he did, how much more do we? So I've already touched on it. Jesus, fully man, fully God, he relied on prayer. John five nineteen. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I said to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Again, he does nothing of his own accord, only what the Father does. Um, we shouldn't be doing anything of our own steam. Um, our, our best led plans, our best ideas are, are worthless. Uh, we, we, need, we need the Father's input. We need God's input to shape um, both our own lives and those around us. Um, touched on the baptism uh, of Jesus there, um, but he was in a posture of prayer when John, John baptized him. Luke three twenty one. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So as Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit descended on him. Uh, and that's something, there's a, there's a verse later on we're going to touch on, if I can flick to it very quickly. Yeah, in Luke 11, uh, in the, the Ask, Seek, Knock, uh, in verse 13, uh, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if we need prayer in our praying, which we do, and we're not experiencing that, if I'm not experiencing that, if you're not experiencing power in your praying, ask for the Holy Spirit. Um, ask for the Holy Spirit to come and really help us with our praying. Um, Jesus was in that posture of prayer when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Fully man, yet fully God. Well, I'll never comprehend the fullness of that um, or the extent of that. Um, one day I will. <laughs> But uh, while, while I'm here, um, that's something that is just beyond my, my comprehension. Um, Jesus also drew strength from prayer. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, we've already said that it was custom to go out to the Mount of Olives. Um, and he prayed in 42, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Uh, an angel appeared to strengthen him. Um, Hebrews 5, 7 touches on this as well. 
Uh, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was his son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So we, here we've loud praying and crying on to the Father to you know take take that cup away from him. Um, the, the cross was a horrible, horrible ordeal. He did not want to go through it, yet at the same time knew why he had to do it, what what had to be accomplished on the cross to to buy our redemption. Um, yet he still sought the Father's will. He prayed three times for that. And yet, at the end of that, he was strengthened. He knew the Father's will was to go and endure the cross. Um, the verses in Hebrews says about his reverence before God. Um, it was heard because of his reverence, um, even though he was a son. Again, just just the humanity that's brought out in some of those verses about Jesus' reliance, you know, especially in Luke and the verses there in Hebrews, his reliance on the Father um, is just... It, it's it's startling to me just to read that about the Son of God needing to be in the Father so much. And Jesus is still praying for us today. Um, Hebrews seven twenty five. Um, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost to those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father now on high. He, he was here for 33 years on earth. But he's at the right hand of the Father, forever interceding for, for you and for me. Uh, and that is, that is mighty. That is comforting. That is, that is encouraging as we go into that place of prayer to know that he hears us and is bringing those petitions before the Father. So prayer changes things is, the, is what I've got up down here. And that's something that I always remember from um, back and listening to it all. Prayer changes things. Um, so why do we pray as people? Why, why are we encouraged to pray? Um, great quote from Walter Wink. History belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future into being. So the primary thing that I want to touch on here is there's two things. Prayer changes things and it changes us. And that quote, history belongs to the intercessors. Those who believe and pray the future into being. I want to be able to look back at some of the stuff that we pray about as a body. And I pray about individually. And be able to go, that was because we prayed. We, we saw the fruits of and the effects of that prayer. That had a real impact on, on people's lives. And it was because of prayer. That, that, that quote just it blew my mind, really. That history belongs to the intercessors. How encouraging that is for us to get into that place of prayer and to really, really start seeking God and to pray powerful prayers, um, believing that we are actually shaping the future, um, helping to shape um, our life and the lives around us. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 touches on this. Um, we are his co-workers, uh, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So we are working with God essentially to determine the outcome of events. Um, this is this is really really just something that has something that I knew and was aware of, but probably didn't hadn't fully settled in my heart. Um, just the significance of the part of prayer in terms of what God's able to do. 
We, we know that God is able to change things through prayer, but just how much of a role that we have in this. Uh, Dallas Willard touches on this. There's, there's, there's a misconception that God can just do anything. Um, he will do um, what he likes, when he likes. Why do we need to pray? God is all powerful, and he is. He can change things. He can do things. But he wants us to pray. He wants us to be co-laborers with him. Uh, Dallas Willard writes, the idea that everything would happen exactly as it does regardless of whether we pray or not is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. It makes prayer psychologically impossible, replacing it with dead ritual at best. Um, I don't want dead ritual. <laughs> we don't want dead ritual at our prayer means. We don't want dead ritual in our, our time we spend with God. Um, we want to know that we're having a role in shaping uh, those around us and shaping events and shaping people. Uh, that prayer has an effect on our life as well. Uh, Eugene writes, Just as the train can only run where the tracks have been led, the power of God moves only after effective prayer has been offered. So again, this, this idea that God, all-powerful, um, can move, but only when we pray and lay that foundation first. Eugene goes on to say that simply put, the performance of the will of God can be made in four statements. Firstly, God desires to do something. Secondly, he by the Spirit imparts that desire to his people, creating a burden. So this can be like last week when we looked at meditating God's word. He can pinpoint something in his word. He can show us something in his word and create a burden through that. Or it can be through prayer. Uh, it could be a prophetic word. It can be essentially just by a spirit. God will speak to us and birth that. Um, our response to that is the third thing. God's people utter that burden back to him in prayer and intercession. And fourthly, God performs his will. So you can see just how much God wants us to be a part of that process through from him desiring to do something through to actually performing that will. And there's, there's numerous um, examples in scripture um, that I could pull out a few of them uh, Genesis 18 uh, where God's about to destroy Sodom and Abraham pleads for the people in Sodom because Lot's there uh, and he pleads that you know if there's any righteous in there would, would you save them uh, and he goes from 50 to 45 right down to 10 and God rescues Lot um, this this is a an interesting passage because it, it's more like pleading, it's more like bargaining with God. It's, it's bold praying, uh, it's passionate praying. Um, and that, that's kind of a pattern of a few of these prayers. Again, it goes back to you know the, the fervent prayer that we're going to look at, um, touched on earlier, and we're going to look at down the line. Exodus 32, we have Moses standing in the gap for Israel. Israel has sinned. Israel has gone and built and crafted a golden calf and worshipped it. Fashioned in the, the image of a, a god from Egypt, they have gone and sought it and worshipped it instead of the Lord God Almighty who brought them out of Egypt. Um, they have fallen short of God's standard and he wants to wipe Israel out. Moses stands in the gap and pleads for them um, and really just says to God, if, if you have promised to... Abraham to Isaac and you have shown your might in terms of bringing this, this people out 
why would you get rid of them now? Uh, you're, you, need, you need to essentially keep your, keep your end of the promise, keep your end of the bargain. Um, and God spares. He does bring judgment upon um, Israel, but he doesn't wipe them out completely. In 1 Kings 18, we have Elijah. Um, and Elijah prayed for, for a drought for three and a half years. It didn't rain for three and a half years. He then prayed seven times and it rained. Um, one that came in my reading plan recently was uh, Hezekiah. Uh, so in Isaiah chapter 37, uh, Isaiah's account of this, um, where Assyria is coming against uh, Jerusalem and uh, is, is going to take it. And in verse 1, uh, it says, As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Hezekiah knew to go to the place of prayer when there was, when there was a crisis. Um, we touched on it earlier that it, you know, we shouldn't just go in a crisis, but this was a good time to go to, uh, go to prayer. Um, in verse 14, Hezekiah then received a letter from the hand of the messengers, which came from uh, essentially uh, the Assyrians, and he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Um, this concept of spreading things before the Lord, of going to the Lord in prayer. Whatever is troubling you, maybe this morning, whatever is really weighing you down, bring it to the Lord in prayer. Um, don't go and try to battle it yourself. Commit it to, to, to the Lord. And uh, 36, verse 36, we see the result of this. Um, and the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead. The Lord went out and took care of the situation. Um, he worked a miracle in the midst. Um, so prayer changes things. Um, prayer also changes us. And this is kind of the, the crux of what this series is about, is about changing us. Um, Richard Foster writes, The prayer is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we will see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. Again, um, this concept of a prayer life. I, I, I don't want people to say of me that they didn't notice that it was a characteristic of my life. Um, I want to see change in my life. That means I need to get in his presence. I need to uh, be in communion with the Father. So prayer is central to this. And if we don't want to see change, we're not going to go to the place of prayer. Um, so we've, we've got to really put up the sails at this point. Uh, put up the sails and say, God, I want to change. I do not want to be someone of the flesh. I do not want to be in sin. I do not want to be... Um, as the world is I want to be changed I want to be transformed I want to be effective unto you Lord that comes through prayer Foster goes on to say in prayer real prayer we begin to think God's thoughts after him I think I said this earlier to desire the things that he desires to love the things he loves to will the things he wills God changes us he changes our desires he shifts our focus of our hearts away from ourselves, away from material things, onto him and the things that he wants to accomplish. Um, Isaiah knew he was a man of unclean lips. In Isaiah 6, 5, um, he said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. Um, 
he had seen the Lord, he'd seen a vision of the Lord, and he just knew he was utterly sinful. Similarly with David, after he'd sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 61, purge me, Psalm 51, sorry, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Again, God wants us to come and come in a sense of holiness. He wants us to be Christ-like. Um, God shows us as we do draw near to him, just as I think Eugene puts it really well here, the closer we draw nigh to God, the greater the sense of personal shortcomings is recognized in our lives. The flesh just, it profits nothing. Um, there is nothing of our lives that brings anything to the table. Um, we need to be transformed by him. We need God's, uh, God to create in us that clean heart. Um, to really come before him, to, for him to be able to search us and know us and see is there any wicked way within us. If the Holy Spirit is to fill our lives so that we can walk in his strength and power, we must hunger and thirst for righteousness and purity of heart. Another bit from Eugene's book. Again, just if we really want to see the power that we spoke of, I spoke of, of seeing things change, of seeing situations around us change, it starts with our hearts. If our hearts aren't right, if our hearts are not um, in that right standing with God, we are not going to be praying those prayers. God will probably not be sharing those burdens with us for to see the change in our towns, in our land. Um, so transformation begins in our hearts and goes beyond that to, to those around us. So God desires for us to be holy. Um, as a word of caution here as well, uh, not to let the enemy have a field day with us. It's God that'll search us and point out areas in our hearts that need to be transformed and brought into line. Don't let the enemy come in with condemnation. Um, if the enemy is saying you're, you shouldn't be in a place of prayer, you shouldn't be, uh, even in church, you shouldn't be doing this, that or the other because you're not worthy enough. You haven't done this. You have done this. Um, you say that, look, look how you treat that person. That's condemnation from the enemy. Come to the throne. Come to Jesus. Um, any sin that's there, just put it before him. Um, let him wash that away. Let him wash that through the, the blood that was shed. Um, and come into communion again with the Father. Don't let the enemy stop you from communion with the Father. He wants to do that. He wants to stop you being effective. He wants to stop that transformation in your life. Um, don't let that happen. Um, I'm going to go on because I'm conscious of time here. Uh, a couple of little quotes, though, that are, that are good. Our growth into the likeness of Christ is in exact proportion to the time and heart we put into prayer. That's, again, from Eugene. Um, if we want to become more like him, spend more time in prayer. Um, and as a result, you know, sin, as I've mentioned, it can be a great blocker in our, our prayers. But when we come in the righteousness of Christ, we know that he hears us. And in 1 John, 1 John 5, 14, um, it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Uh, that's, that's powerful, that God hears our very prayers. Um, so if you feel like even I've gone through times where sometimes it nearly feels like your, your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, maybe it's time to just ask God to come and show 
maybe why that is. Is it sin? Is it something else that's in our lives that's stopping us from hearing, stopping us from communing with him? So that's, that's, that's the concept of um, prayer transforming us. But how do we do this? How do we see power, the power of God transform our hearts and transform the people and towns and nations around us? How do we pray effectively? Um, if we know that prayer is such a powerful thing, why do we sometimes struggle with it? And why do we... Why is maybe the prayer meeting um, not the best attended meeting uh, in a lot of churches? Um, if this is the powerhouse of where God does a lot of his work, surely the prayer meeting should be the first place that God's people should be gathering to. And likewise, that should be the first place that we run to to see God do things in our lives. John Ortberg says, Prayer is a learned behavior. Nobody is born an expert at it. No one ever masters prayer. Um, that's comforting if we, if we are people if we struggle with prayer to know that we're, we're always learning it God's always teaching us and showing us how to pray uh, and hopefully in just this next little section I'll be able to give you some some help as God has shown me to, to really help with our prayer lives first and probably the most important is help from the Holy Spirit cultivating that prayer life isn't easy we need help we need the paraclete we need the helper um, in John fourteen sixteen, Jesus prays for our helper. Uh, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So Jesus knew we would need, uh, need power from on high. Uh, we would need the Holy Spirit once he uh, had, had been crucified and ascended to the Father. In John six sixty three, it says that the Spirit, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Um, Paul knew the struggle of, of, of prayer being sometimes a difficult thing, uh, of, of even going about things in our, our own flesh, our own struggle, our own steam. Romans 8 is the pinnacle sort of chapter in, in all things about walking in the spirit and knowing this, the power of the spirit in our lives. In verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Wow. Um, that, that probably speaks, it speaks to me, it speaks to probably... A lot of us that sometimes we just don't know what to pray or don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit is our helper to assist us in praying as we ought. Um, he is the intercessor. Intercession is one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is essentially, and this is something that Eugene draws out in his book, I can't take any credit for it. Um, the Holy Spirit is essentially there to help equip and train the body. Uh, for future inheritance. The Holy Spirit is here um, to help us in intercession. Uh, intercession and prayer is one of the primary ways God can change us. So the Holy Spirit is here to guide us in that. Um, Eugene states that the Holy Spirit is grieved by the state of the world and longs to reconcile creation with the Creator. This is the basis for the prayer life of the church. So that's the essence of it. 
reconciling creation with the Creator, reconciling our hearts with God's, bringing us into communion and right standing again with, with the Father, and also to then see the creation around us be affected by that. Uh, and that is the inner groanings of the Holy Spirit. Um, Spirit cries out with, within us, Abba, Father, Galatians 4, 6. Romans 8 also touches on this, this uh, groanings of the Spirit in verse 22. Uh, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Again, the Holy Spirit is, is groaning within us, eagerly for the adoption for us as the adoption of sons, for the redemption of our bodies. Um, the Holy Spirit shows us what to pray, helps us how to, you know, what to pray for. Um, so a, a spirit-filled life will naturally lead us to uh, a, a life of prayer, a lifestyle of prayer. I talked earlier about um, this disciplined life, uh, just a routine of constant prayer. Um, that goes hand in hand with a spirit-filled life. Uh, I don't think the two can go, you know, be apart. Um, we need the Holy Spirit to have an effective prayer life. I don't know if it's possible to have an effective prayer life without the Holy Spirit in our lives, within our praying. Another thing that really startled me reading Eugene's book was just the magnitude of what we have been brought into in praying. Um, he puts it that praying is joining with Christ in the, his intercession to the Father. To pray in the Spirit is to participate in the very eternal fellowship and communication of the persons of the Godhead. Wow. <laughs> um, so as we pray, the Spirit helps us to pray, um, but Jesus is also interceding with the Father. Um, we're brought into that communication, that communication with the Godhead. Um, that's that's just that's mind blowing um, that we that He wants us in that position, that He seeks for us to be again co-workers and co-laborers in carrying out His will. So that's, that's, that's the prime thing that we can do is to really put up the sails and let the Holy Spirit come in. But there's also some helpful things that can assist us in prayer that Jesus taught us. Um, Matthew 6, 5, uh, 5 to verse 8. I'll draw it just verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Do not be like them, for you, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So go somewhere quiet, free from distraction. That's what I've been trying to do. Uh, Jonathan's trying his best to not make it as quiet, but go somewhere quiet and free from distraction. Uh, Jesus did that. He went out to desolate places. Uh, it says he went out frequently, constantly to the Mount of Olives. He was in nature. Um, I go to my garage because um, it's a quiet place. It's outside of the house. I would normally go out there or down downstairs. There's another room downstairs I would go as well. I have a couple of places where I pray 
I would encourage you to find somewhere that is just a constant, uh, somewhere that you go and that's where you communicate with God. Not that there's anything special about that place, but more so that it's free from distraction and it becomes a place where you know that God speaks to you. Um, and that's probably largely down to being a place where there's no distractions, that you're, it's a quiet place. Um, he says to go and shut the door. Shut the door and the distractions. Turn off the phone. Turn off anything that would come to stop us from hearing from him. Um, yeah, shut that door. Turn off that phone. Um, pray at your best. So I spoke earlier that uh, Jesus rose early in the morning. That's good, and if you can do that, I would recommend it, but not all of us are at our best in the morning. Um, I, would, I would advise you just to try it, and if it doesn't work, do find a time that um, works for you um, and make that uh, a routine. Honesty. Be honest before God. Bring him your heart. Um, C.S. Lewis writes, Lay before what? Lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Um, don't try to imagine what God wants us to pray or try to be holy, <laughs> as in, you know, not the, the proper, the way God wants us to be, but trying to be someone that we're not. Um, be, be just transparent with him. God knows our hearts. Can't hide anything from him. Um, if we're struggling to pray, I would encourage you to pray with other people. Um, I find that really helpful to to see um, other Christians pray, to know how other Christians pray. The disciples saw Jesus praying and wanted to learn how to pray like him. Spend some time with other people praying. Come to the prayer meetings. Um, ask whoever is close to you just to come and help you in prayer. Reach out to any one of us to, to come and pray. Um, there's great power in that. There's great power in corporate prayer and that's something I haven't even touched on because it's probably beyond the scope of this series but it's a whole other topic as a lot of things in, in just prayer there's there's so many different topics within it um, if you're not experiencing peace in your life uh, Philippians 4, 6, 7 do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving let your request be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. So if you're not experiencing that peace, bring it to God in prayer. Again, bring it before, like Hezekiah brought it before the Lord. Bring it before him until you do have a peace about it. Um, and persevere in prayer. Jesus touched on it quite a lot. Um, you've got the, uh, the friend at midnight and the unjust judge. Um, persevere in prayer. He encourages us to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking in prayer. Um, again, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So really, just to finish up, because I am conscious of time, the main thing, put up the sails, let the Holy Spirit come in. Um, it's not just all the Holy Spirit in terms of we need to put the sails up and invite Him in. To ask, as I just touched on that verse, to ask the Holy Spirit in our lives to come and transform our hearts, to come and take control of our, our lives, and then to, to, to put those burdens in our hearts for those around us, to, to put those burdens in our hearts for situations uh, to be praying into. Um, and these, these two quotes I'm going to repeat again because they're the two aspects 
There's the one from Walter Wink, uh, which is history belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future in the being. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Um, let that encourage you into the place of prayer today. Um, let, let that really be able to just saturate our hearts in terms of things that we pray. We, we can really see things change in, uh, if, if we are people of prayer. And likewise, ourselves, we need to pray. We need to change. That's the emphasis of this series. The prayer is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. So Lord, we just thank you for prayer, Lord. Um, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for for the gift and the privilege that it is. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to be co-laborers, co-workers with you, Lord. You want us to be a part of what you do, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon us, Lord, to come upon us and to fill us and to show us how to pray. Teach us how to pray as the disciples asked you. Uh, Lord, teach us how to pray. Show us how to pray. Lord, would you help us to be silent before you? That's another thing, Lord, just to listen on you. Uh, Listen to you, Lord, as, as you lead us in prayer, as you show us the things, Lord, that you want to pray about. Lord, that we wouldn't just be... Uh, Always just the one talking, Lord. Um, in a relationship, Lord, with, with anybody, Lord, we, we want it to be a two-way thing, Lord. So help us to hear your voice, Lord. Help us, help us to know what you're saying to us, Lord. And Lord, would your Holy Spirit have free reign in our hearts, Lord. We want to see change, Lord. We want to see our hearts brought more and more to your likeness. And Lord, that then the power of that will be to transform just, a, just our town, Lord to see transformation in the lives around us, Lord. Lord, would you help us to pray um, big prayers, Lord, to really bring the future uh, into being, Lord, to believe that our prayers have effect, Lord, to know, Lord, that you're, you're a God that wants us to partake in, in your will, Lord. So show us, Lord, what you want us to do, Lord. Lord, would you help us as a body to know your will, Lord? Would you help us to know what you're looking to do so we can pray into it effectively, Lord? And see it become a reality, Lord. Lord, thank you for the times where you have answered prayer, Lord. Thank you for the times where you have really shown yourself to be faithful, Lord. Where there were times, Lord, where we can recall, Lord, that if it wasn't for you, Lord, we don't know what we would have done, Lord. That you answered, Lord. You answered both individually and corporately, Lord. And Lord, you showed your hand. You showed, Lord, that praying, uh, prayer changes things, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for prayer, Lord. Thank you for the gift that it is, Lord. Help us to be more and more prayerful, Lord, both individually and collectively, Lord. In your precious name, amen. Amen.